Shavuot Tov, everybody. Welcome to Parashat Toledot. Is an electron a particle or a wave? The answer is, it's a paradox. It's both a particle and a wave. A hundred years ago, paradox meant error to the scientific mind. But now, it's widely recognized that at a certain level, reality itself is fundamentally paradoxical. J. Robert Oppenheimer, the theoretical physicist who was involved in the Manhattan Project to construct the atom bomb, once wrote as follows. If we ask whether the position of the electron remains the same, we must say no. If we ask whether the electron's position changes with time, we must say no. If we ask whether it is in motion, we must say no. Eastern philosophers, when interrogated, have been known to give similar answers about the conditions of a person's self after death. And of course, mystics through the ages have spoken in the language of paradox. So in a very interesting and humorously ironic way, we're finally seeing a meeting place between science and religion in the realm of none other than paradox. When we're able to say that a human being is both mortal and eternal at the same time, and that light is both a wave and a particle at the same time, we have begun to speak the same language as scientists and as religious individuals. So is an electron a particle or a wave? The answer is that it's both. Was Yaakov Avinu morally correct or incorrect in taking the Beracha meant for his brother Esav? Well, now that's a horse of a different color, isn't it? In short, I think the answer is a lot like what we said about the electron. It's both. But of course, humans aren't electrons, and morality is a lot more ambiguous than most questions in science. The Torah purposely is painting a picture of moral ambiguity, and that's what's so amazing about this week's parasha. Even before the birth of Yaakov and Esav, we hear about the prophecy to Rivka, and part of that prophecy, it says, So you say, okay, how do we read this? The straightforward re- reading is, the older will serve the younger. However, that's not the only way of reading it. The Hebrew is amazing because sometimes the subject goes before the predicate, but sometimes the predicate precedes the subject. So you might read it, The older, the younger will serve. So which is it? The Torah is setting up a lack of clarity on purpose. And to emphasize the duality here, the Torah does a great job of presenting Yaakov and Esav as foils, as characters who are similar in certain ways, but who highlight each other's differences. Esav is defined by his unusual appearance. He's asui, that's the shodesh of the word Esav. He's ready-made, like a cloak of hair. But Yaakov, on the other hand, is defined not by his appearance, but by his unusual action, grasping his brother's heel, showing motivation and drive. So Esav is revealed as what he is right now, while Yaakov is revealed in terms of what he desires to become. So the answer arises, or the question arises, which one is better? To live in the moment and to be satisfied as you are, or to always strive for more? To always be seeking to improve yourself? The answer, of course, you need both. Is it better to be a hunter and a farmer 
like Esav, or to be a shepherd who dwells in tents, like Yaakov. Of course, both are needed in society. Was it correct to take the blessing from Esav, knowing full well that he consciously sold the birthright, knowing that he had married women from Canaan, going against his forefathers and everything they stood for and their covenant with God, knowing that the fate of the nation rested on this blessing? But what about, on the other hand, the pain that this would cause to Yitzhak and Esav? So I'll be honest with you. At different points in my life, I believed in different answers to this question. Earliest in my life, I believed, of course, Yaakov must have been correct. The fate of the nation stood upon his shoulders. But then as, as I got older, I realized the ends do not justify the means. The classic villain in any novel that you read, and of course, Yaakov was certainly not a villain. But the classic villain argument in any novel is that his ends are justified by his means. So which is it? Was Yaakov correct or incorrect? So I'd like to say, after maturing just a small amount, not so much, just a small amount of my life, I really started to see that it's really both. The Torah never explicitly criticizes Yaakov, and he does merit to become our forefather after all. But he suffers the consequences of his actions for many, many years, for generations in fact. And the Torah therefore is so incredible, because it recognizes that in this life, Things are not so simple. They're often extremely complex. Sometimes it doesn't boil down to a right or a wrong. Sometimes we have to choose between the lesser of two evils, which, by the way, seems to happen in every presidential election nowadays. So this is really important to figure out how to navigate. Sometimes we find ourselves in a very difficult scenario and it's unclear how to proceed because there is no absolute right or wrong. But that's not the end of the story. After you've made your difficult decision, because eventually you will decide something, and whatever that is, whatever you decide, be like Yaakov, says the Torah. Take responsibility for your actions. Own your past and own all of its consequences. Avoid absolute labels like right and wrong when you're dealing with human conflict. And most of all, Learn the lessons that you are meant to learn. In this grand dance of human interactions, we need to have the humility to recognize ambiguity. We need to have the clarity to accept paradox. And we need to have the courage to do our best despite all the uncertainty. So I urge you, be like an electron. Embrace the paradoxes and absurdities of your existence. Learn to live with ambiguity by seeing both sides of the story with absolute spiritual clarity, no matter what. But again, no matter what you choose, take responsibility for your actions and always learn a lesson. Thank you very much, Shavuot Tov.